Hello, Twisted listeners. We have another treat for you today. Today, we are joined by Jessica Shelley. She's an EdTech founder and CEO, and she's very insightful. So we are super excited to have her with us today. So hi, Jessica. Hi, welcome. It's good to have you. Yeah, excited to be here and spend some time with you guys. Great. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your, like, I guess, your educational journey, like yeah. to being a teacher and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I knew I wanted to be a teacher since middle school. Um, I was a teacher's assistant and then I was hooked from there. Um, in high school, I volunteered at the elementary schools um, all four years. And so kind of just further ingrained my passion for teaching and serving and working with kiddos. And then I completed my undergrad um, and then I started teaching as I was also starting a family. And then I got my master's degree and then another master's degree. So curriculum and special education, um, all really going back to that, that core of providing like personalized instruction. Like that was the, the key kind of thread through everything was, you know, there's these kids that have, you know, different needs than traditional or mainstream kiddos. Um, how do we better serve them? But then also how do these strategies carry over to how we can personalize instruction for the kiddos in the traditional classroom setting? Um, and so that's also <laughs> what I do now with my organization, which is all about personalized instruction and then looping parents into this conversation around education because historically they've often been left out or it's harder for them to find information about how to support their kids. And so that's something that's also very close to my heart. That's very that's cool. Awesome. That's good for parents too. I know, I know you probably have a lot of people who very much appreciate that. Yeah. yeah it's a, an inside look that hasn't been able to kind of been scaled with the traditional education model in the U S um, right. yeah. six or eight weeks for a progress report, but in the meantime, students are learning new things daily. And so if you're able to have a conversation at the dinner table, that'll help them, you know, perform better tomorrow or that light bulb moment. That's really what we're all about is that kind of continuous and more frequent feedback cycle with kiddos. I think, yeah. I mean, so having, I mean, obviously I, well, I guess that's not obvious. I am also a parent. Um, it's <laughs> obviously I'm a parent, but um it's different when you're looking at it only through the lens of a teacher that's also a parent or a parent that's mm -hmm. also a teacher than if you are literally just a parent. I mean, and I don't mean just a parent in any derogatory sense, but I've had friends who will, you know, message me or call me and they have legitimate questions about everything school related that yeah. it seems so common sense but it's it's not no. if you're not in a school daily right yeah. and i know we spend a lot of time in elementary communicating but once they get to middle and high school it's kind of we'll call you when they're not doing well is what happens and i i mean i think i don't i see what you're like you're saying that teachers don't really communicate enough with parents or the parents don't know how to ask for that communication? I think it's, it's both like number one, teachers we know are overworked, like adding additional things onto the plate of, Oh, you need to send a personalized response to every parent in your classroom. That's just not feasible. 
Um, but at the same time, parents don't know what questions to ask because they don't have that kind of foundational knowledge or understanding of where their kids are even at to know what to ask or how to ask it or if it's coming across the right way where the teacher can understand. So I think it's kind of like them a broken link really between the two with the teachers not necessarily having enough time or the capacity to do it at scale for like 25, 30 kids. If you're elementary, mm-hmm. you know, school and high school is just exponential. Right. Uh, compared to the parent who's like, I don't know what I should be asking. I don't know what to be concerned about um, if there's anything that's coming up at home too. So you taught for a while and now you're not in the classroom any longer because you have this new venture. But tell us, like, how did you come to not be a teacher anymore or to leave education? Yes. Yeah, I I don't necessarily say that I'm out of education. I'm just in a different role supporting from the outside. But yes, as far as my teaching journey, I started teaching second grade and then I transitioned over into a math specialist role for my district. And so I got to actually serve teachers and do some modeling and create intervention groups and programs and all of those things. And then I taught first grade and then I went down to kindergarten um, and I was pregnant with my third son at the time. And it was 2019 before okay. all of the COVID stuff was happening um, yeah. on maternity leave. And um, I'm a person of faith. And so I was praying about, you know, where am I supposed to be? And I'd been having feelings over the previous couple of years based on, you know, rise of, you know, student behavior. I had some things happening with some admin, um, co-workers, the way that our district was going maybe wasn't aligned with my personal vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to kind of consider where else I could be. And then COVID hit and I was like, that's it. This is my sign. Um, I'm going to kind of see what other opportunities are out there. And I actually joined Dailies, which is our company, um, curriculum development for the learning app at the time. And then things have kind of just continued to to move along since then. I would say so, because did you, so tell us a little bit about Dailies. Like, did you, did you start it? Was it, did it already exist or like? Yeah. So we were in the really early stages. So I joined probably like the third or fourth month that it was technically established as a company. They had this idea that they wanted to create a learning application that was gamified with micro learning. And I was like, yeah, I love all this personalized Mm -hmm. learning. Sounds great to me. And so when I joined the team, I was in charge of um, all of the curriculum lessons, learning targets, reporting, all of those things. And I was super excited. And then, um, through the the ideation stages, we were kind of designing the app. It was like, well, hey, what if we added in this parent feature, <laughs> you know, okay. kind of plug and play there. Um, but they were working on a social media type feed. And I was like, yeah, it'd be great if you could invite grandparents and uncles and aunts to also celebrate these wins of these kids. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we um, evolved our learning app. And then COVID hit. <laughs> and yeah. We weren't able to successfully launch the app because, you know, parents were teched out with 15 different apps from their schools and, mm-hmm. and we um, we adapted and started testing out small live classes with teachers. And so we cap our classes at eight. It's high touch. You get a personalized report from the teacher after every class. And I kind of played a monumental role in that transition and pivot as a company. And so that's kind of when I was named co-founder and then things have kind of progressed still since that's then. so that's so exciting so this is instead of kids attending school they're at home 
we kind of serve different populations. So we have like full homeschoolers. We have kids that go to traditional school and then they're looking for additional supports for like reading, math, socialization, mm-hmm. things. Um, and so everything is really custom to the kid and the family. Okay. Um, that makes sense. I have, but we do a lot of, our focus is on social learning and the transparency with parents. And so we're kind of like, we can either be that second opinion. We can be that kind of safe space to ask questions or we can take over their full schooling and help them homeschool. So. Okay. So like when a parent comes to you and says, hey, my my child's teacher says they're not reading on grade level, like you can then kind of like step in and determine if that is in, tr- in fact true or not or... Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And usually the first step is just like, what has your teacher told you? <laughs> and let's figure out what you know or any information that we have. Because a lot of the time they're like, my child's struggling in reading. Well, I don't know what to do. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, what does that actually mean? Because, you know, we know as teachers that could mean phonics, that could be reading comprehension, fluency, vocabulary. Like, there's so many things that go into that. And so that's where we start with step one. <laughs> and then it's, yeah talking them through that process of how we're going to learn more about their child, the more that we interact with them. And then we're providing those reports all along the way so that they're in the full circle loop of what's happening with their kids, kiddos when we're spending time with them. I'm going to backtrack just a little because you said, and I'm real interested in this because I'm still in the, in this classroom. Well, not in the classroom, I'm in the school. Um, You said that the district and where they were going and your admin, they were kind of moving in a direction that you were not aligned to. Can you give us some general issues and situations? Because we do talk a lot. You don't have to use names or anything, but we we do try to relate to teachers who are kind of in that pivot stage. And it's mm-hmm. good for them to hear other people's stories. So- you know, if you're if you're in the classroom and you're afraid to say something like my my inbox is always open. Like if you need to vent, if you want to just connect, like there is so much fear I think that teachers have with mm. speaking up about anything that's happening in the system. And unfortunately, until things get shared, everyone thinks everything's fine <laughs> because right. they're not in it too. So um, as far as like my district goes, I have um, I have five children and my second son, he was actually born with some medical you know, concerns and things, um, completely unexpected. And we ended up having to go to the children's hospital for a couple of weeks. And of course that impacted my ability yeah. to be in the classroom. And that's when things kind of started taking a turn where I realized, oh, number one, I'm replaceable. <laughs> number right. two, that they're never going to prioritize my family with the same expectation that they sh- expect me to show up for my students and their families. Um, and so that's when I kind of started keeping an eye on things and like the top down sort of messaging that was coming across is, oh, you need to show up. You need to do this. You need to do this extra. It's like, man, what about my family? <laughs> like, what about right. my person? And I do go above and beyond. Like I had a hundred percent attendance rate at my conferences. And I wear that as like a badge of honor that I have these great relationships with my families and my students. But at the same time, my district was going full inclusion for special education, which I fully support. However, there was no additional training provided to teachers. Our class uh, sizes were already high. I got my roster for kindergarten and I had 14 with identified IEPs and 504s before the first day of school. And I had 25 kids. Oh my goodness. Like, at the time, I didn't have my SPED endorsement. 
And I was like, I feel like I'm in over my head. And I actually went to my admin and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about going to school to get my SPED endorsement so I can be better equipped to serve my students. And she's like, I think you have too much on your plate right now with your personal life, which was my children and teaching. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is it. Um, And so that's when, yeah, I was on maternity leave. I was like, I got to find something else where I can feel supported in trying to do what was best for my students, my own family, my own children that were, were needing me as a mom too. So we've heard, and, and that story, I, I know it's it's hard, and we've heard the story. That's one of the deciding, fa- deciding factors for many of the people we've spoken to. And um, it's like when, you know, your district or your admin is saying, we're family, we're going to take care of you until mm-hmm. we don't want to, until we can't, until you're not serving or until us. until you need we, us. <laughs> right. Um, and that's like, we were looking at the top five things for admin not to do, and the first one was to... Um, consider everyone family because Mm -hmm. it's, they're not our family. Our family is our family. So they're kind of minimizing our own home family to make it on the same level as what we're doing at work. And that's, that's not okay. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we've heard that story before and I'm, I'm glad that you made the decision. So did you, were you on maternity leave and did you, did you break a contract or did you fill out the year? Did you stay out the year? I formally resigned. Um, so I was out on maternity leave um, until April 15th of 2020 and COVID had hit in March. And so I was like, hey, I'm good if you can extend my leave till the end of the year, like just let the long term take over since they've been there to all of the COVID stuff. And then I ended up just resigning and then um, taking that position as head of curriculum development for dailies. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. That's a big yeah, deal. And that's very... hard for a lot of people to do, especially with children and being young and having a young family. That's amazing. Yeah. It's um, definitely scary, but we're, we're, we're still here. So, so tell us, I'm so curious about what your, what your days look like now. And I'm sure people who are thinking about doing similar things are probably as well. So are your children home with you? Are you homeschooling now? Yeah, we homeschool um, our oldest three. So we have a pre-K, we have a first grader and a second grader. Um, They actually use our program. And so then I supplement outside of that so we can like spend our time reading and going to museums and stuff like that, more family focused time. Um, But yeah, it's, it's pretty flexible, which I really appreciate too, where I can have breakfast with my kids. I can have hot coffee and go to the bathroom bathroom whenever you want. That's the best. (laughs) Yeah. It's like all my teacher friends that are still in the classrooms too. I was like, are you sure you don't want to work online? Like <laughs> we might need to talk um, anytime that they're like sharing things that are happening in the school buildings. Um, I'm kind of like their go, their go-to of like, I need to vent, but then also can you help? So it's, yeah, they, they need a vent. They need somewhere to go. Definitely. And I've lived it all through it with them. So it's mm-hmm. a space for sure. Have you hired any of your colleagues? former colleagues? I did. I actually hired um, my very first teaching partner. We taught second grade together my very first year teaching. That's awesome. Yeah. So did I see recently on LinkedIn that you guys are currently hiring? We are. Mm -hmm. We are hiring virtual teachers. We have pre-K through fifth grade. We also do um, enrichment classes. And so if you have any creative bone in your body, the kids love to like soak up those cool classes. We have like a Lego engineering class right now. Um, so super creative 
And then we have tutoring options. And then we're also launching into schools this year. So with a high impact tutoring. Oh, can you talk to us about what you're doing in the schools, like partnering with the schools? Yeah, yeah. So we're coming in, um, you know, of course, there's the teacher shortage that has been, you know, very chronic, I would say, since COVID. Um, And so a lot of these schools don't have access to like reading or math specialists. And we actually have people on our team to assist with that. And so basically what we do is we come up with a personalized plan for the school for implementation where we can zoom into their classroom or into like a small group setting um, to actually provide intervention. And they just have to provide someone to like supervise the children. And then we give reports to their classroom teacher. We can provide reports to the parents too. Um, everything is super high touch. They get like a dedicated dailies teacher so that their teacher can talk to another teacher about what's happening with this group of students. Um, so very collaborative and, and personalized. Are some schools using this for like, um, RTI, MTI? Yeah. 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 RTI, MTSS. Um, we're talking Mm -hmm. about, uh, we, we have like limitless potential. So like for English language learners, for additional language supports, there, social, social groups, um, practice, and then also students that have special needs or learning differences. So that might need a little bit more one-on-one targeted things for like things like dyslexia that they might not have access to in their normal traditional school. I'm just, so do you have teachers that are part-time asking for a friend? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we actually encourage our teachers to start part-time and kind of start small, learn the platform, learn about the different program offerings that we have. And then the, the, there's no limit, you know, so. And then you're providing support for parents as well. Exactly. All in one. Yeah. That is awesome. Okay. So I'm going to ask the million dollar question. How much does this cost a family? Like if, I mean, my kids are big. We're not going to homeschool. But if we were going to use your program to homeschool on the on the regular, like what's yeah. the cost? It's super flexible. So our classes, our enrichments are $15 if you just pay for a class. And then if you do like the small group pod classes, which are academic classes, we do um, grade level based reading, writing and math standards in every session, in addition to an SEL focus so social emotional learning. Those are $20 per session. We, most of our families do like a bundle. And so we offer monthly plans that start at 79 a month. And that's to make sure oh. that you show up with the same teacher every week with the same classmates. Um, so that provides that consistency and that closer knit community. Is that for every day? Um, that's for once a week. And then we have a three week or three classes a week plan for 219 and then a five day a week plan for 349. That's not bad. If no. you, I mean, if you think about private school. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the the next thing. Yeah. Um, Certified teachers. And then we also help them with like the homeschooling regulations. So teacher of record. record Oh, wow. Yeah. All of the, that's amazing. But that's so helpful because I know a lot of people who that part of homeschooling seems overwhelming to them and they don't even know how to get started really. So that's fabulous. And this is not even what we were going to talk to you about. And I just got like, it's, it's amazing that you guys have done so much in kind of a short period of time. Yeah. It's re- it kind of shows that there's a, a need for this out in the world. If that many people are already jumping on it. Do you work in all States or certain States? 
we are nationwide. We actually have um, families in like Mexico, Canada, and India too right now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. That's awesome. <laughs> this is so awesome. Um, okay. So I'm going to totally change subjects um, mm. to how you, your post that just grabbed my attention about the way we fix edu- issues in the education yep. system is really similar, eerily similar to the mm-hmm. fix in women's health. So I don't know if you, I have it up, but do you remember that post and like your thoughts behind that post? I remember the feelings that I have when <laughs> reading the post. I'm reading um, it now. Um, yeah. Because the, the women's health is, that's a whole series of podcasts right there. Yeah. Well, and just the fact that of the 10 founders, you said that you were um, in the ed tech space, you were looking at the at 10 founders, the CEOs, and that Really, those people that were holding the highest positions within their companies, zero were former teachers, educators, or even remotely connected in any way to education in their previous roles. Yes. So you're like an anomaly. (laughs) Yeah, an anomaly for sure. And and I think that that came from the frustration of, you know, these are technically like my peers, my colleagues in this space. And you know, we are technically a small company, we're a startup. And so we're trying to nimbly like make our way through, you know, um, these giants that have been established for a while. And it was just really surprising to see that these people that are supposedly like these visionaries in education, these ones that are adopted by thousands of schools across the country, have never actually lived a day as a teacher in a classroom or as an assistant or it's a, it's at a, any capacity. It's... So it's awful. It really is. Well, and then, Um, yeah, they're the ones that are writing the articles about like how to become a virtual teacher or how technology is innovating education. And yeah, yeah. Again, the background knowledge isn't there. So yeah, the, the virtual teacher one was one that definitely stood out to me. And I was like, I, I believe like I made an audible gasp when I saw (laughs) on their profile. Cause I was like with dailies, I, I was the original virtual teacher, you know, because as a startup, you have to kind of start small and test things and listen to the people that you're, you know, serving. And I was the original teacher. So I've been a virtual teacher. I could tell you what it means to become a virtual teacher. I help teacher transition, teachers transition out of the classroom to be virtual teachers. Um, and then this other person who's sitting there, you know, no, no teaching credentials at all, telling people how to become a virtual teacher just seemed like our former secretary of education <laughs> who. Never step foot inside yeah. a classroom. Yeah. Um, this quote, you said, I believe that the farther removed our decision makers and leaders are from the experience of parents, teachers, and administrators in our schools, the less effective their air quote solution is for the problem. We have a lot of people telling us what to do that have either been out of the classroom for decades mm-hmm. um, or they've never been in the classroom. So I am in a group um where we are interviewing people, empathy interviews to get like, it's kind of like design thinking in the school and we're kind of getting the um, just common themes throughout the school. And I realized the team I have, except for one teacher, we have, none of us have taught um, in the pandemic. We've all been out of the classroom. So I'm thinking I really do need people who are in the front lines to be on this team, to interview other teachers, to tell us what is happening because I think we're so far removed. But then I think people don't, 
they're not aware of that. Mm-hmm. Because as admin, they're in the space and they're dealing with vaping and whatever all day long. Not in elementary. I teach in high school. So <laughs> a little bit different for a kindergarten versus a high schooler. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Hopefully, they're not. Um, but I, I ha- am very aware that the work I'm doing, I have to have the voice of a teacher who's who's actually teaching. Because pretty soon, I'm going to be that person who hasn't been in the classroom for a decade, and nobody's going to want to listen. So I keep that in mind all the time. Um, and but to be told that, you know, something from about education when it doesn't make any sense. On paper, it looks like one thing, but in application and the process, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't see that at all. So that was a, that was a good, that's a good post. Mm-hmm. I- and it got me too, because I'm very much into women's health and, and that's a hot mess express as well. Um, but if you want to talk about women's health, we can do that another time. <laughs> um <laughs> Because it is quick fix, you know, you go with all these, these, and it is a very good analogy because you go to the doctor with all these ailments and maladies and they're telling you you're tired or you're in menopause and not you. That would be me. <laughs> that would be my story. Um, and it's like, no, there has to be something else. Like it can't always be your thyroid. It ha- there's other things. And so that's why people are spending so much money on holistic medicine and women are going to um, hormone replacement. So it's, it's to me, you know, when we go to holistic, that's what people are doing with you. They're going to you because they want, they want the real low down. They want education. They want to be, they want communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and on our end, we've seen the very, some of the negative interactions with parents that because of COVID, they feel like they have a teaching degree. Yes. Yes. I can't tell you how many, cause I was teaching during COVID still and how many, um, I know you're like, so there's some, I taught in the school district that my neighborhood is zoned for. So like I have connections with people that I taught, like, and they always say like, don't be Facebook friends with people, but like, (laughs) sometimes it's a small knit community. And I had twins that were in my class. And then during COVID, um, I mean, obviously I taught all day long on the computer all day long. And I mean, the mom did set up a really cute, nice area for them. And she did make sure that they were doing what I was teaching. Right. But she will still to this day post, I see them and it always makes my blood boil. Oh, the year I homeschooled. And I'm like, you did not homeschool. (laughs) I homeschooled your children, Mm -hmm. but I totally see it was out of the norm for her. I totally get it. But do you, during the summertime, I'm assuming dailies is just as busy with people wanting enrichment or wanting their kids to stay up, or maybe they're trying to close a gap. Is that true? Yep. And we also do like um, summer camps and then a kindergarten boot camp every summer as well. Oh, how cute. Yeah. It's oh, pretty good. How do you account for attention spans of little people? Um, it's all based on developmentally appropriate practice and learning theory. And so, you know, our classes are capped at 55 minutes um, and we chunk them into increments of 15. So the first 15 is really about focusing on connection, 
the SEL stuff, checking in, you know, the general kind of circle time things that we would do at like the kindergarten for second grade level. And then we get into the math, the reading, writing, and then they usually produce something at the end of every session that they're able to then share about. And then they reflect on the lesson together. So the lessons move pretty quickly. And then we also have like what you would consider like brain breaks. So like movement breaks, movement activities that also connect the learning themes um, scheduled throughout the lesson. So all of our classes are capped at 55, whether it's an enrichment or a pod. Um, and that keeps in mind the developmental attention span of these littles. Um, some kiddos in our full, full homeschool program, which include like a pod class and an enrichment class in the day, we have scheduled breaks too. And we have like a social Mm -hmm. break time that's actually scheduled for them to just connect as kids on a supervised Zoom session. So, um, it's, it's not eight hours on the computer or six hours on the computer. It's much more in, in little chunks. What grade do you go up to? We go up to fifth. Oh, okay. Is there well, any talk of expanding to upper grades? Yeah, we actually, when we first started Daily Spots, we were actually focused on middle school specifically, which is kind of when we see this drop off of communication between students and mm-hmm. parents, and then also trying to wrap in this teacher kind of component. Um, and the biggest thing there is we tested two hour sessions so that we could actually do like research projects and they could produce a, a larger artifact. Um, however, we realized that a lot of the families that were really looking for support during the pandemic, which is when we launched, were those ones that had little learners that were concerned about, is my child going to be significantly far behind because they can't go to kindergarten? Yes. Um, and so that's what we kind of tailored to, but we have plans um, to go up to middle school and um, life skills for high school. So financial. Literacy. Well, I think, and I went from middle from, I didn't, I never taught middle school. I'm lying to you. I never know what I'm talking about. I went from elementary for 17 years. Um, then to, I'm an instructional coach. Then I went to um, ninth grade resource lit. And I'd never taught resource, never taught high school, nor had I ever taught special ed. So I got all the certifications that summer and um, because I like to torture myself. Um, and it was an eye opener because I taught reading, pretty much a reading specialist at the, the former school. And it is one of those things like I think society is really pushing kids to go to college, which is good. A lot of kids need to go to college, but a lot of a lot of kids have no aspirations for college. Mm-hmm. We do have career tech, which is good. So we do have like marketing and culinary and things like that. But I, the need is, and when we do our empathy interviews, the kids are like, I need more about what I'm really going to do when I get out. Like, when am I, how am I going to apply algebra? Like, those are good questions. Mm-hmm. I'm a senior. I got to take algebra or whatever. What is this going to do for me? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like that rehaul of of the core classes and what they need to be successful. So I definitely see a need for that. And I I, I would imagine there would be many, many parents of high school kids um, interested in something, at least for the enrichment. I mean, I could see that. Mm-hmm. It would go very well, far. Even support with college applications for um, the population of kids, uh, kiddos that are headed to college. I mean, um, I know... And FAFSA, don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate it with a burning passion. Like it's, It is the worst 
<laughs> Sorry, I won't. <laughs> Kim really does hate the FAFSA. I'm triggered. <laughs> I've just triggered myself. Yeah, I've been through that a few times myself. So <laughs> yeah. they've moved yeah. it, Kim. It, you can't even start it until like December, the end of December this year. So you have a little bit of time extra. Yay. <laughs> but I My can daughter's s- going to be here when I do it. That's the thing is the codes, the, if I'm doing it here, and Violet's not with me. I have to, the one time she's not looking at her phone, I need the code that FAFSA just sent me to get her. It, it's just, <laughs> by the time I get the code, then it has run out of time. It's expired. Right. And then again, it, it it's one of those things that nobody wants to be around me during FAFSA time. That's funny. So we do, we do a wellness session every Wednesday and we're doing, we're doing adulting classes. And that was one of them. Cause I said, I, I they need FAFSA and they need, applications and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lead any of that but you might need, need to find somebody to do that um so I think those are good those are good skills those are all good skills to have um are you so are you more in management or do you teach classes now do you have your own classes I don't host my own classes I'm I'm more in charge of like the district partnerships and things like that that we have going on um but I do occasionally pop in for like social breaks or if we don't have a sub for a class, I'll be like, hey, do you have anything planned? If not, I'll scrap something together and jump in. But um, I don't host my own. You can't like subscribe to my classes or anything. Like that. <laughs> How many teachers do you have working at the at where you are now? Um, we have about 15 teachers currently. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. And you're that hiring is- more. So while you're working, you're managing your kiddos being on different classes or pods or an enrichment? Yes. Yes and no. Um, so there's this handy tool um, from Amazon that announces things, can announce things on the calendar. Um, I don't know. I sh- she might go off, but Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like friendly Alexa. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I can't say it too loud because she's like right there. Um, but yeah, so I have programmed reminders in for my kiddos so that they have like a 10 minute heads up before classes are starting for their live interactive sessions with the teachers. And then um, I do most of the other stuff like during dinner time or the evening or at breakfast with the kids. And so um, my husband, he's actually a stay at home dad because our oldest is actually only seven. Okay. Um, and so we have. Are you busy? We're Goodness. a little busy. Um, and so he's able to to kind of support them throughout the day and takes care of our our other children too. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm so excited to watch how you guys are going to grow, how Dailies is going to grow and like where it sounds like the sky's the limit, like that you could end up doing all kinds of things. There's no limits on what we have in the roadmap. I think the biggest thing that is important to us is to make sure that we're always listening to what's happening and engaging with teachers that are still in the classroom, parents that are in traditional school, what we're hearing in these homeschooling communities, because that way we make sure that we're wherever they need us to be um, at the time that they might need us. That's amazing. Now, do you said something about SEL, which which might trigger some parents into thinking it's something different. Do you ever have that with people asking you the question, like, what is the SEL? Because it's, it's, been kind of twisted into something it's not in the some communities. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we're really transparent. We are common core aligned. Um, and so we understand too, like common core relates to like the Texas standards and all of those things. It's just called different things with different identifiers for the most part. Um, 
And so we're very transparent with families. We actually send them our scope and sequence in parent-friendly language so they know what we're learning about each quarter. Um, you know, in, in the reports, that's further reiterated because we do, um, we call them glow and grow reports. So mm-hmm. it's like a math high light of the lesson, a reading highlight of the lesson, and then a communication or behavioral highlight that's always shared. And so that's when we get into like the SEL sort of content. We're like, hey, we're really working on, um, you know, problem solving or making good decisions or showing empathy. And it's like, you know, my son's name is Archer. Archer showed empathy today when a friend came to class and he didn't get a good night's rest or something. So we're consistently reiterating that to parents in a way that makes sense. (laughs) It doesn't have to be like this kind of ballooned thing and everything is full transparency. So if parents do have questions, we're always, we have resources available. Okay. That was my, that was my question because it's intended well. Yeah. It's just not received well because of a lack of, um, I guess, questions or, know, or understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. Absolutely. Um, there was another question. Oh, um, I just, oh my gosh, my, um, men, my brain just, <laughs> I lost it. I had a good question. Yes. Okay. Here's my question. Um, you've left the classroom. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that we're in a situation where teachers are wanting to leave the classroom because of some of the reasons that you mentioned, among others. And um, if you could give advice to someone who's in that place but doesn't know how to get out, what would you say if the teacher is ready to move on, not necessarily with you or with you, Mm -hmm. how would you guide that teacher? I think... To first reflect on how, like your own feelings about it all. Like, are you making this move because you're fearful or like what is stopping you from having done this already? Um, Because I think that, you know, teaching is one of those things where there's security and like the contract. I mean, security and also like imprisonment, I feel like sometimes (laughs) with the contract, right? But at the same time, like, you know what you're going to get paid, you know, your pay sequence, like all of those things. And it's very comfortable to show up to a teaching interview and be able to like talk about your experience as a teacher. Mm -hmm. So for people that are maybe more hesitant or more fearful about actually leaving, like, what does this actually look like for me on Monday morning? Um, you know, take the time to make the preparations before you actually leave. Um, so like look into jobs that you might want to do, do some interviews, revise your resume so that you don't kind of cut yourself off cold, cold turkey from a job. Um, I think that that's one of the biggest things that I hear is like the, the financial part of leaving of you, you have a contract when you're teaching. So it's kind of secure there versus when you're out in the real world, it's a little bit harder to understand things if you've only ever been a teacher. Um, and right. like my own personal journey too. When I, when I started dailies, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm the teacher. I'm not sure what this means <laughs> when they sent it over to the original job thing. And I remember calling my dad and being like, is this normal? Like, I don't understand. Like I can do like this teaching contract, but this is different language, you know? So mm-hmm. it can be a lot of overwhelm. Um, so anything that you feel like you need to do to prepare to make that an easier transition, knowing that there's going to be things that you encounter that you've never encountered before is exciting, but it can also be scary for some. Scary. I would say so. Yeah. Does Jen made that transition after we did interviews with people leaving? I did. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So this is a total, you can totally be like, nah, I don't want to answer that. But does Dale, do you guys have health insurance? Like, I have to imagine that with five kids, having health insurance is 
a huge priority. So mm-hmm. do you have health insurance through dailies? So for our teachers, like everyone is pretty much an independent contractor because we don't have like full-time teaching positions. It's you make your own schedule. You are in control of everything that you do. We just provide you with support for marketing, customer support, all of those things. Okay. Um, and so personally, yes, I have health insurance, <laughs> as far as like what it means to work with dailies, it's you're an independent contractor. Okay. Um, get your own I'm, health insurance. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So similar to like, if you were to teach on like out school or something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. So how do you differ? How would you say you differ from out school? We're much more about fostering relationships with families. So it's not just like you show up for a Thursday class for 30 minutes and then we'll see you next Thursday. It's like there's communication that's happening all Mm -hmm. along. (laughs) You're never alone. Um, And we have real certified teachers. So not to say that that's not what you could find on OutSchool. It's just that that's not a requirement for the platform. Right. Um, Okay. Yeah. I remember hearing about that. Because yeah. I, at one point, when I was first playing around with the idea of leaving education, I was like, hmm, out school, like you could, I could teach creative writing. I, you mm-hmm. know, would really enjoy that. And I don't know, I never got deep enough into it, but it didn't feel like it was like a consistent, like you might not have the same kids each time or, and it's fine if you know you're not having the same kids, if you're doing a one-off session, right, on something really cool, but it sounds like you guys are doing a really good job fostering. Oh yeah. Community. It's amazing. So I'm looking at your, the open positions that you posted. It says that you are looking for um, enrichment class teachers. You need virtual pod teachers, pre-K through fifth, and then enrichment class teachers, pre-K through fifth in performing arts, visual arts, world languages, health and wellness, um, fun with words, fun with math. Like, it sounds so awesome. STEM, science, technology. Oh, wow. Engineering. I. It's no wonder you found success with all of those offerings that are out there. It sounds great. I mean, we, we are very similar to OutSchool in the sense that you can find probably what you're looking for. And if we don't have it already, like, it's just a request button away. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing, though, is really that that connection, that community. Like, we don't want to, we don't ever see technology replacing the teacher, student, family, you know, dynamic, mm-hmm. whereas other innovators might see that as a way to kind of scale services. Um, we think that that's, that's what makes teachers unique, you know, in the pandemic, we had teachers that were teaching on a computer. And what we heard from parents was that they were missing that interaction with their individual child. You know, you have yeah. to set yourself apart from just signing up for like a YouTube course or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you can join circle time for 15 minutes a day pre-recorded. Like we're, we're much more about oh. sharing the success of the child, the interaction and all of those things. So. Yeah. Well, I, I'm very happy for you. Yeah. And it's just amazing. And if I didn't already have a side hustle, <laughs> if I was up all my time, I probably would. She apply probably to... would. Absolutely. <laughs> I would. You never know. In a um, couple of years, you might have Kim. <laughs> send me a message. We'll get you hooked up. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah. So you, um, do you, are you overwhelmed with like the number of like the amount of resumes that you get from teachers or has it been pretty manageable so far? Um, I will say that when there's posts about job openings, it's like overwhelmed for the first few days. And then, you know, it kind of trickles off and we refresh if needed. But 
um, the quality of candidates, like it's, it's really spectacular. I think my heart is always with the teachers. And so seeing this as an opportunity that we can support other teachers that either need a side hustle or are looking to transition and get their foot in the door somewhere to get something out of the classroom on the top of their resume. Like we work with so many teachers also like that personalized nature. Our teachers are on our marketing team. Our teachers are on our curriculum team where they're learning these skills to also then go transition to like these full-time positions with other companies. And I see that as a sign of success. Like when they awesome. with us yeah. for a short term and we can get them to where they want to go in the long run. Great. If they end up staying with us for multiple years, phenomenal. Like we've had teachers with us since the very beginning, like three years now. So it's it's really incredible. Um, and I feel very fortunate to give an opportunity to teachers too, as well as to the families and our students. Yeah. So here's a question. If if somebody wants to be a teacher with you, like what does the application process look like? Do they need to do a video lesson? Are they gonna, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, a pretty straightforward application mostly just talking about the values of the company. And if there's alignment with that, that's something that's really important to us. And then there's usually a preliminary interview where there's, we just kind of go through the, the position, the role, ask, you know, ask and answer any, any questions there. And then there is a demo lesson based off of our like lesson plan structure that we encourage teachers to use on our platform. Um, and then it's usually just a final interview from there where we talk logistics about like, hey, when do you want to start? You know, what grade levels you want to teach, what times? And we work with teachers to optimize their schedules too. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That sounds nice. <laughs> it seems like a nice company to work for. I know. I just see everything seems so nice like, and pleasant. It does. You know, it really does. That's awesome. Well, it's something you. that's very intentional because we are. Yes, it comes across very from. strong. <laughs> it comes across very, very strong. And I think that um, you're you're kind of a pioneer in, in some areas with the connection with the parents and mm-hmm. giving teachers autonomy and um, just the way you go about it. Cause I mean, there's other, I guess like out school, there's that, but you, you stand out and we appreciate your time and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for talking to us. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity to share more and connect with yeah. you. Yeah. So yeah, we are really excited. I hope you're probably going to get some more applications (laughs) with, because everyone's going to be like, no, that sounds like utopia compared (laughs) to (laughs) what I'm doing. And I hope that some parents reach out too that um, need the support that you guys can offer and help. Yeah, we do offer a free preview class as well. You could try a pod or an enrichment class for families, like no credit card or anything. Um, and we match you to teachers that match your child's profile. If there's any like learning differences or anything that we need to account for as well. That's that awesome. amazing. Yeah. Well, wow. and where can people find you on LinkedIn? LinkedIn is great. Um, you can message us at dailyspods.com. I see all of the, the messages that come in through there as well. Okay. Awesome. You guys are doing so well. And it seems like you're scaling your growth. Like... We are being very nimble and intentional with the ways that we're growing. Um, I, I, there's another mentor that I have on LinkedIn and I, she's like, hey, let me know if you want to connect with any investors. I was like, I don't know if I want investors at this point because I don't want to be controlled by someone else who has no say, like who has no experience. Who has no experience. Who ju- Right. Yeah. yeah. No, so, we'll just. And that's one, that was one of the main things that, that, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye, Jessica. All right, take care. Bye, Jessica. Bye. Bye. That was so cool talking to Jessica about everything that they have going on. And I'm so impressed because 
she seems so so young because I'm old. Um, yes, we're both old. But the, I mean, everything that she is that they have accomplished. Um, and I'm just reading like her bio, like earliest detection and fix for learning gaps. There are so many families that can benefit from that. And maybe that things like this would help with parent-teacher relations, which are tenuous. Not not great. Not, not great. Not great. All, All right. right. Well, Fun. hopefully if you need, we'll have check the show notes if you'd like to contact Jessica for a potential side <laughs> hustle job. Yeah. She's going to be um, like, oh my gosh, that yes, was a lot. Drive All safely. Right, <laughs> All right. Stay, stay twisted. twisted. Bye. 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 Thank you.